Because I know there are some times where we just have to kind of drop the plumb line and say, hey, are your priorities in check? You know, do you have God in the right place? Do you have your family in the right place? Where is work? You know, do you have your priorities in the right place? But today I decided to take this message a little different. And I wanted to go a little different path. And I'm, I'm speaking especially to graduates. I'm hoping to put in these high school and college graduates a teaching that hopefully will stay with them the rest of their lives. Some of these guys, uh, even my own son, I don't know how much he's going to be in worship with us now. He's going to be moving off to college, and, and normally I invite my children to go find their place of worship on that campus. So I just thought, man, this is a timely message. I want to preach a timely message, a very different message than you probably would expect when it comes to priorities today, okay? Now, the first question, by the way, the message is to all of us, so I hope you got open ears. The first question is, that I want to pose today, is, are you ready for the test? Are you ready for a test? Did you show up to church today ready for a test? Do you remember walking into, uh, into your school or maybe walking into a class and somebody asking you that question? Do you remember how horrifying of a question that was? And it would be like, it would normally be phrased one of two ways. It was like, a, are you ready for the test or did you study for the test? And normally my answer was like, what test? You know, that was normally my answer, you know, and that's not a very good answer when you're not really, that means you're not ready for the test. Now, today I'm going to talk to you about priorities, okay, and I'm going to talk to you specifically about a priority test, because I don't know if you know this already, but every week or every two weeks or every month, every 30 days or so, everybody in this room, uh, you're tested in your priorities, all right? Now, what do you mean by that, Stephen? There is a priority test. And you're tested on your loyalty and your, your, um, your, the, the priority of the kingdom of God in your life every time you get paid. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe you get paid every week, or maybe you get paid every two weeks, or maybe you get paid every month, and you get tested when you get paid on what you think about what you have and how it relates to the kingdom of God. We take a priority test every time we get paid. Now, I want to tell you. When I was young, when I was in church, nobody ever taught me this, okay? I got to be an adult, and I started making paychecks, and I went to seminary, and I didn't even learn it in seminary. You would think they would tell you this in graduate school, you know? But it was only after I began to study God's Word for myself, and I began to read God's Word, and I began to lead God's people, and, and quite frankly, I was challenged by the theology and the biblical understanding of what I'm about to teach you in my own life that I realized, wow. The priority test is something that for the greater part of the early part of my life, I didn't really do very well at. Whenever I got paid, normally I didn't do very well at the priority test. And so today I want to talk to you about where you're going to place God in your life when it comes to your income and when it comes to your paycheck. We all take the priority test. Now in churches, we call this tithing, okay? And I'm going to talk to you about tithing today, but actually that's more around point number three, okay? I'm going to talk to you about tithing. But from the very beginning, if you've never heard of it before, I want to explain what a tithe is. And some of you probably got the concept already, but, and you might even know what a tithe means. A tithe comes from a Hebrew word, and it basically means a tenth. And God's plan for us is that we would give a tenth of what we make as our priority back to Him. It's a tenth. Now, so God set this up. What's interesting is some people, when we talk about tithing, they say, but I don't live under the law. 
You know, isn't that something from the Old Testament and from the law? I don't live under that. I live under the New Testament and under grace. What's interesting about this concept of God saying, hey, I want, I want to do a heart test on you over and over again. And guys, we're going to study the Israelites in the book of Exodus today. We're going to study way back to the Garden of Eden. You'll see that God is very interested in our lives at over and over and over and over again, checking our heart and making sure he's our priority. Well, one of the ways he did that was through the tithe. Now, what's interesting is he did it long before the law. He did it hundreds of years before the Ten Commandments ever came out. God was already doing this thing where he said he was testing people's hearts and he wanted their best and their first before anything else. And what's interesting is it was before the law and it was after the law because even Jesus, from Jesus' own mouth, he said, you ought to tithe. Jesus, those were his literal words, you ought to tithe. But what's interesting is some people want to, they want to say, no, not me. You know, I, I, I don't have to do that kind of thing. But here's what I want to help you understand. This thing I'm going to be teaching about today, this priority test, is, is, is kind of like a pattern or a principle that, was, that God was doing early on. He was doing it during the law, and he was doing it even later on, okay? He was doing it, he's doing it right now. It's a pattern or principle. It's kind of like, kind of like stealing, right? In the Big Ten, God said, thou shalt not steal, Right? But guess what? That was actually already existent beforehand. Don't you think that was the best way to live? And don't you think God's plan was for us not to steal beforehand? So it was before the law, it was during the law, and it's after the law. It's just a pattern of principle. It's the best way to live. The same thing was true for thou shalt not murder, right? It was before the law. It's a pattern of principle during the law, and it's a pattern of principle still to live by today. So this thing I want to talk to you about, this priority test, is a way that God tests our heart every time we get a paycheck on the first week or every two weeks or every month, every time. It's a principle and it is a test, a tithe, 10%. Now, here's something you may not know. I wonder if you know in the Bible, I wonder if you knew that every time in, in, over and over again in the Bible, God uses the number 10 for testing. So let me give you, let me give you a little example of that. And I'm about to give you a little test. All right, you ready for your test? We had a test? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm ready for the test. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some questions that are associated with God testing, and I, wanna, I want you to kind of figure out the answer, but I'm kind of giving you a hint already that you kind of already know the answer, all right? So for example, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Now before you answer, I'll, I'll tell you, God had 10 plagues, and the Bible says every time after one of those plagues, he was testing God's heart. So how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Ten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that's right. And how many? How many commandments are there? Ten. And how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Yeah. You can be confident. There's there's a pattern here. Okay. So how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. And and how many times were Jacob's wages changed? And then God said He was testing Jacob's character. How many times did that happened? Ten. You can say it. Say it. Ten. Ten. All right. There you go. Now, in Matthew 25, when the virgins were tested, how many virgins were there? And here's a little hint. There were five foolish and there were five wise. Uh, how many? Ten. Okay, and then how many days was Daniel tested? I mean, how many times, how many days was Daniel tested in Daniel chapter 1? Yeah, and how many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? And how many disciples are there? Twelve, yeah, I was testing you. Yeah, there's only this, yeah, okay. So this 10. Now, here's what's interesting. We talk about this tithing thing, okay? I can't really explain to you why God picked 10%. I really don't know. 
I think I do know why he picked a percentage. Now, I leave it up to the whole tens thing that you find in the Bible and all those numbers that I don't completely figure out why God does that. But here's what I know about why God might have done it as a percentage. Why God said, I want the first tenth, 10% of what you have. What's interesting is when God put a percentage mark on it, it's the same for everybody. So no matter how much you make in this room, some of us might make a lot, some of us might make a little, somebody might make $3,000 or $30,000 a month, and somebody might make $300. The thing about a percentage is it's the same thing. For every dollar, it's going to be 10 cents, you know. For every $10, it's going to be $1. It's the same for us no matter how much you make. It's a priority test, and God is testing your heart, and God put this percentage on it, and it's the same for every person. And by the way, this priority principle that I'm going to talk about today is throughout Scripture. Is throughout Scripture. Got your Bibles? I'm going to read with you today. Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. And that's where we're going to start today, okay? Exodus 13, verses 1 and 2. And I want you to listen specifically to the last three words. So Exodus 13, 1 and 2 says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and and of beast, it is mine. Now, let me pause right there for just a minute. It is, it is mine. This is right after the children of Israel are rescued from Egypt. And this is, so they're not, they're not even into the, into the depth of the wilderness yet. And God says, listen, I want you to consecrate to me your firstborn among the animals and among the, the, the humans, uh, upon the people, and they are going to be mine. In your outline, you might even want to write across the top those three words because they're going to be the theme of what I'm going to talk about over and over again today. It is mine. Now, I'm going to talk to you about three things today, all right? I'm going to talk to you about three things. I'm going to talk to you about the firstborn. God said the firstborn, it's mine. And I'm going to talk to you about the first fruits. God said the first fruits, it is mine. And then I'm going to talk to you about the tithe. God says this is mine. Now, the firstborn, sometimes that was children and sometimes that was animals. The first fruits, those were always crops, okay, but they represent material possessions, and the, and the tithe represents your income. So I'm going to talk to you about those three things, and all three of those things, the firstborn, the first fruits, and the tithe, God says, are mine. Okay, you got your pen? Fill in point number one for me. Let's talk about firstborn first, the firstborn. The firstborn, God says, is to be sacrificed or to be redeemed. The firstborn is to be sacrificed or redeemed. Matter of fact, can you say those words with me, sacrifice and redeem? Sacrifice or redeem. And we're going to talk about what that means in a minute. But before we get there, let's read a scripture together. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 12 and verse 13, let's read this together. The Bible says, um, you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. By the way, this is going to sound very Old Testamental, okay, but I'll explain it in a minute. You're to set apart to the Lord. All that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So let me just pause there for a minute. The Bible is talking about a lamb. The Bible is talking about a donkey. The Bible is talking about firstborn sons here. So let me, let me kind of help you understand this uh, so you can understand. Okay, let's go back to this lamb and this donkey thing, okay, for a minute. What do I do? <laughs> how do, I, do I sacrifice it or do I redeem it? What, how do I know what to do? 
So there are two animals that God gives us in this scripture. We're just going to leave the scripture up there in front of you. There are two animals, and God wants to represent two classes. And I'm about to teach you something, so open up your understanding here, okay? Two classes. One of them is a donkey, and the donkey was considered unclean, okay? And one of them is a lamb, and the lamb was considered clean. Now, the, if, you, if your clean animal has a firstborn, uh, firstborn, then the Bible says you are supposed to sacrifice it. If it's a clean animal, you sacrifice the very firstborn. And if it's an unclean animal, let's talk about the donkey, then what you do is you only have two choices. You can either redeem the donkey by sacrificing a clean animal, or you can break the donkey's neck. Because God was basically saying that if, let's say you needed your animal, you needed your lamb, you'd break that donkey's neck because God says, that's mine, that's mine. Or God would be saying, I'm going to take it from you anyway, okay? So the, the idea here is clean and unclean, but I don't want you to miss the point. Listen. The idea here is you're going to sacrifice or you're going to redeem the firstborn. Sacrifice or redeem. Did you know in every page of your Bible, every page of your Bible is pointing towards a redemptive story of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And you might sit back and go, are you serious? Even this whole animal thing about unclean and clean animals and you're going to sacrifice and redeem? Let me ask you a question. Let me tell you how it points to Jesus, okay? Let me tell you how God was doing way back in Exodus with the people of Israel, something where he was already pointing to Jesus. So I got a question for you real quickly, okay? Answer it out loud. You don't have to be afraid of answering. Um, a donkey was clean or unclean? I've already taught you that, right? A lamb was clean or unclean? Clean. You and I, were we clean or unclean? What are we? Unclean. The Bible says we are unclean. From the very beginning of our birth, we were sinners at our birth. Now, that might be hard to believe. You look at that little baby. You're so pretty. You can't be a sinner. No, the Bible says that that baby is born with a nature of sin. And if you want to know that, you want to know how I know that, just ask the experts in the room. Raise your hand if you're a parent. All right? Raise your hand real quickly. If you parented. Now, let me ask you, parents, did you have to teach your kids how to be bad? No. You have to teach your kids how to be good, don't you? Why? Because, listen, we are born unclean. We are born with a sin nature. Now, what does the Bible say about the unclean? What do you have to do to them? Sacrifice or redeem. Which one do you have to do for the unclean? You have to redeem them. Yeah, I'm sure you're getting this. Here we go. Redeem them, right? Now, here's another question for you. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Jesus was born clean. Jesus was not born with our sinful, with our sinful nature. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was born... In, not only in sinlessness, but lived a perfect life in sinlessness. So what does the Bible say about the clean? What are we supposed to do with the clean? Sacrifice the clean. Now, I want you to get this picture. Jesus was sacrificed to redeem the unclean. You get that picture? Way back in the Old Testament, God was saying, this is how it's going to work. The clean, you're going to sacrifice. And even the clean can redeem the unclean. Now, what I want you to understand when it comes to this firstborn, what we're talking about here is this, this idea. By the way, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought that Jesus was God the Father's tithe? Have you ever thought about that before? Let me, let me just kind of thump your, your theology here for a minute. Can I do that? Can I thump your little theology web, your understanding of God? Have you ever thought that God gave his first and his best and his highest in advance. We read a scripture on the screen last week that said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, anytime my family and I give a tithe, when we give the, our first, our best, and our highest, 
we are, we are doing it before all the rest comes out. And, and have you ever thought about Jesus kind of like being God the Father's tithe? When he did it, he was doing it in understanding, in faith, for all the redemption that would happen after it. How Jesus in his sacrifice would redeem all the unclean. Now here's what I want you to get the picture of, because I've got to move on from this first point. The firstborn are to be redeemed or sacrificed. And here's the, the, the big point is, you might want to, in your, in, your, in your notes, underline or circle the word first. God is doing a priority test with us, and it's all about the first. The first. God doesn't want the second, the third, the fourth, or the fifth. It's a priority test. He wants the first. And what he was basically saying was, when you give your first to him, everything else he blesses. Every other portion is redeemed, Okay. Now, you got your pen? Uh, well, let me, I'll tell you what. Before we move on to point number two, let me show you how this works. Can I get three men, three men, just brave men, come join me, all right? I know it ain't going to be Keith. Uh, come, three, three men, come join me real quickly, all right? Up here. Come up here with me. All right. Good. Good. Brent, Lynn, Fred, 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 all right, all right. Now, so I want you guys to stand right here for me, stand all here together. And I want, I, want you to, I want to give you a picture of what I'm talking about here, about how God works in this whole first thing. And, and I hope what I'm about to give you a picture of stays with you forever. I really do. I hope it stays with you forever. Now, I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm going to get you to do me a favor, all right? It's a fictional favor, but I'm going to get you to do me a favor all the same. So I'm going to go on a trip. When Jesus talked about tithing, when t- Jesus talked about giving of us, oftentimes every time he did it, he talked about somebody going on a trip, going away for a while. So I'm going to use that as our metaphor, okay? I'm going to go on a trip, but I'm going to trust the three of you guys to take care of my family while I'm gone, okay? And I don't know whether I'm going to be gone for two months or eight months or ten months or two years. I don't know. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you guys to be my stewards, and I'm going to give you each, each, $10,000 every month, and I'm going to ask you to give 1000 to my family and take care of my family. The other nine you can keep, all right? The other nine you can keep, but I'm going to, ask, I'm going to give you 10 and at the first of every month, I'm going to ask you to give it to my family, to look after my family while I'm gone. Will you do that for me? All right. So I give these guys $10,000, and six months passes, and I call my wife on the phone. And I say, hey, babe. She said, hey, when you coming home? I said, soon, babe. I, I just want to check in. I'm doing a little check-in. I said, by the way, y'all's needs met? Are, are, are the guys that I asked to help take care of my family, are, are, are they taking care? I said, for example, what's Brent been doing? She said, let me tell you about Brent. I'm proud of Brent. She said, Brent has been, uh, every month I get $1,000, and I don't get it the 5th or the 7th. I get it on the 1st every month. And I said, man, I'm thinking to myself, way to go, Brent. Way to go, Brent. All right, way to go. Brent's taking care of my business. He's doing exactly what he told me he would do. He's going to look after things for me. And I said, well, let's, let's, how, about, how, how about Lynn? What's Lynn doing? She said, you won't believe what Lynn's doing. I said, what's Lynn doing? She said, Lynn actually has been doing $2,000 a month every month. He's gone over and above what you've been asking him to do. And he gets it to me on the first or the second of every month. And I'm thinking to myself, on the other end of the line, I'm thinking to myself, why would Lynn, what, what, I don't know why he would do that. But I, I, it honors me that Lynn is going beyond what I asked him to do. I mean, I told you the other 9,000 was for you to keep, but Lynn 
is giving $2,000 in my family every month. And I said, that is just awesome, babe. That's awesome. And I said, what about Fred? And she said, now, uh, now Fred, we got to have a talk about Fred. I said, what's going on with Fred? She said, well, I got the first month, I got $1,000 from Fred. And the second month, I got $700. And the third month, I got $400. And she said, the last three months, I ain't got nothing from Fred. Now, I want to ask you, what am I thinking about Fred? Now, I, I, I told Fred, here's $10,000. I'm going to let you keep $9,000 of it. Do whatever you want to with your $9,000. All I'm asking you to do is give me 1000 back to my family. Now, I want you to really, I want you to track with me here. What am I thinking? What would, if you were in my place, what would you be thinking about Fred? And the answer to the question is, well, I don't like you very much. But, but beyond that, the answer to the question is, I can't trust Fred. I cannot trust Fred. If, I, if he told me he was going to do something and he's not doing it, and I asked him to do something, I said, you, I can't trust Fred. And what am I going to do? I'm going I'm to cut Fred off. Wouldn't you cut Fred off? Wouldn't you stop sending $10,000 a month to Fred? I mean, be real, right? You, you'd stop, and you'd send it to somebody else. I mean, I'd probably send it to Lynn, you know? <laughs> I, I, you'd send it to somebody else. But here's the deal. I want you to get this. One of the most important things, guys, that I just talked about was, that was my wife. That was my wife I was asking you to send money to. That was my family. And you see, when it comes to this thing, I think sometimes when we think about this thing, tithing, we, 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 we tie it up in the, in the Bible pages, but we don't realize, listen carefully, it might be the most important thing I say today, we don't realize how personal this thing is to God. The Bible says Jesus, Jesus' bride is a church. That's what the Bible says. And the question is, have we really understand, understood how important giving our first is and how personal it is to God? Thank you, guys. Got your pen? Let's talk about first fruits for a minute. First fruits. So the firstborn is to be sacrificed or redeemed. The first fruits, according to the Scripture says, it is to be returned. Now, we're talking about crops here, Okay. So those first kind of understandings would be a parent or maybe a rancher who was raising sheep or donkey. The second nature, the second crew is kind of like anybody who raises any types of crops. The first fruit is to be returned. So Proverbs, let me read a couple of scriptures to you real quickly. Proverbs talks about this. Uh, and it's this idea of blessing that if you give to God of your first fruits, your crops, look what happens. The Bible says in Proverbs, uh, when we give, Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So there's this picture in Proverbs of if we honor the Lord with our first, what God ends up doing is he blesses everything else that follows. He overflows our life with blessing. Let's go back to Exodus for a minute, okay? Let's go back to the uh, people of God. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. Exodus 23, verse 19. The Bible says this, the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You got your pen? Circle two things for me. Circle the word bring, circle the word house. Circle the word bring, circle the word house. Let's talk about those real quickly. 
Um, Exodus 23 says, The first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, when we talk about this giving, every time it was done in Scripture, it was always to the house of God. So what does that mean? I'm, just, I'm not going to run a long rabbit trail here, but it means when you really understand tithing and giving of your first, you're, you don't give to a missionary, you don't give to a ministry, that's not tithing. You don't, you don't give to something else. Those are offerings, and you're, very, you, you're encouraged to give overings, offerings, almost like you know, Lynn with that $2,000, offerings over and above. But when you tithe, the Bible talks about your first fruits are to go to the house of the Lord. This is God's plan to look after His church. So the house of the Lord, that's what we're talking about there. But the second thing, notice the word bring. Bring. Now I ask you to circle that word because that word is important. This idea of bring, not give. Not give. Can I just tell you something? I'm guilty of using the wrong syntax here with my wife. I will ask my, I will ask my wife sometimes because I'm, I'm up here teaching. I'm doing other things. And I'll say, babe, did you give our tithe today? Did you give our tithe? And, and I'm guilty of that. But that's wrong syntax because the Bible says you're not supposed to give it. You're supposed to, what's that word? Bring it. So what is the understanding there, Stephen? Well, you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. I mean, God said it was mine. Didn't you read that? God said, the first is mine. The first fruit is mine. So you don't give what's not yours. You bring something that is not yours, and you bring it to the storehouse of God. That's what you do. So this is very important. You are returning, get that picture? You are returning the tithe to the Lord. The first must be redeemed to the Lord. I was sitting in college. I was in undergraduate school in Tennessee, and, and I'd moved to the University of Georgia to a little school called Lee University. And I was sitting in a theology class. I was in my upper senior level classes, and, and, and some kid asked the professor a question. I'll never forget. He said, uh, he said his name was Dr. Battle. He said, Dr. Battle, tell me, why did God accept Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. And I'm sitting in a Bible class. I'm sitting there thinking, I don't have a clue. You know, I don't know. I'm waiting for the prof to tell us the answer. And I remember the professor just looking at him and saying, I really don't know, son. I really don't know. And that got me. I was like, what? There's got to be some explanation for it. It took me a few years, but I finally come, came up with an understanding about why God accepted Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's offering. And I didn't come up with it in my imagination. I read Scripture. And Scripture began to explain it to me. Let's read something together real quickly. Remember this whole understanding of firstborn and firstfruit, because now we're going to talk about Abel giving of his firstborn and of uh, Cain giving of his firstfruit. Okay, Genesis 4, 3 through 5. And read this with me. This is going to explain why God did not accept Cain's offering. Genesis 4. And in the process of time, I'm going to undercircle that. You might, I mean, you might want to underline that. <laughs> undercircle. Made up a new word. Um, you might want to underline there. And in the process of time... That's important. It wasn't his first. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. An offering. Doesn't say a tithe, does it? An offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now, so the question is, why did, why did God reject Cain's offering. Well, you see it right there in Scripture. In the process of time, whenever he felt like it, Cain gave an offering to God. He gave whatever he wanted. It's kind of like this. Cain gave when he wanted, and Cain gave what he wanted. He wasn't following the command of God to give his first and to give a tenth 
of his best. And so God did not accept Cain's offering. But yes, even more, God could not accept Cain's offering. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is very important. There are certain things, you might not have even known this, there are certain things that God can't do. Did you know that? There are certain things that God cannot do, all right? For example, God cannot deny himself, and he cannot act outside of his character. For example, the Bible says that God is truth. God cannot tell a lie, all right? So the Bible says God cannot tell a lie. There is no untruth in God. He is truth. God cannot tell an untruth. Another thing that God can't do, God can't change. Did you know that? We call it the immutability of God, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If God could change, here's kind of the concept, then God could either get worse or get better. And that doesn't make any sense because he's already the best, right? He is the best. So God cannot change. He is immutable. He is already the best. Uh, God cannot think the way you and I think. All right, now I want you to think about that for a minute, all right? Why do we think? You and I think to figure stuff out, you know? But God doesn't have to figure stuff out, all right? So he doesn't think like we think. We go, have you ever noticed when you start thinking, maybe you think through a situation, all of a sudden you go, there it is, there it is, now I know what it is. God doesn't work that way. God never has something. Did you know that God has never thought, oh, I didn't think about that, wow. See, God doesn't think like you and I think. Now, you're probably going back to a scripture in your mind. So, wait a minute. Now, I know it says God thinks something. Yeah, that's right. The Bible says exactly that God thinks something, but he doesn't, it, it says God doesn't think. Remember, it says God's thoughts are, not, are higher than our thoughts, and his thoughts are not like ours. Guys, he doesn't. We call that the omniscience of God. God knows everything. He doesn't have to think like we think. He doesn't do that. He doesn't think. He cannot think like we think. Here's another one, and this is, the, this is where I'm driving here. Listen to this. God cannot be second. Now, in theological language, we call this the preeminence of God. He is first, always. He is king, ruler, and master of the universe. Now, he might be second in my life, and my life might be spinning off his axis, but that don't change that he's still number one. See, God is first. And if whether you and I treat him like he's first, that don't, make, that don't change him being first. Our God is a preeminent God, and God accepts our highest and our best. And when Abel brought his best to God, he brought his firstborn to God, he sacrificed it, God accepted it because that's who he is. He is first. And when Cain brought his in the fullness of time, whenever he felt like it and whatever he felt like it, when, whenever he, and whatever he brought, God couldn't accept it. Have you ever thought about that? God's going to be first, and he won't be second. He just doesn't operate that way. Now, I got your pen number three. Write this one down. I'm going I'm to drive this thing home, okay? We're doing some teaching today. The tithe. The tithe is first. The tithe is first. So let's read this together. Leviticus 27. Remember, I'm talking to graduates, but I'm talking to all of us today, okay? But if these graduates can get this, I'm going to show you in just a minute how this is going to change life. How this can change your family tree, okay? The tithe is first. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy, that's set apart, that's sacred. It is holy to the Lord. 
all of the tithe. God's basically saying the tithe is mine. It's mine. It's not yours. You're returning it to me. Now, I get this, right? I know you get this. We, we say it all the time. God owns it all. God has it all, right? I understand that. And, and here's, the, here's the second thing. God has given us everything to enjoy. Yes. But the tithe, he has said, that is mine. Now, that's what he was doing with Cain and Abel way back in the garden. He was saying to Abel, that's mine. You brought mine. But to Cain, when Cain brought whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, God looked at him and said, where's mine? Where's my first? Where's my best? Have you ever thought about the fact that even in the Garden of Eden, before there was a Cain and Abel, God was already, there was already a symbol of God saying something's mine? I mean, God puts, Cain and, God puts Adam and Eve in a garden. The garden is full. The garden is, is luxurious. It's great. And God said, now, there's one thing that's mine. You don't touch that. That middle tree right there, that's mine. You don't touch that. You leave that alone. That's mine. That's mine. And what do they do? They go, took it. They took the very thing that God said, that's mine. You leave that alone. That's mine. You see, guys, the tithe is a test of our priorities. And every time we get a paycheck, we're being tested on where our heart is and where God is in our kingdom view of our own lives. We are being, it's a test, and it is a principle that we need to understand because it can bless our lives. It takes faith, but it takes an understanding. You know what? I'm not giving something when I give a tithe. I'm actually returning something back to God. All right, let me give you one more example of this, okay, for a minute. All right, Anthony, come here for a minute. You got keys in your pocket? No? Borrow some keys. All right. Now, I want to introduce you to Anthony. One of my, I'm so glad. These guys have been coming to Harvest Point since we opened up the building. God bless you guys. Now, I'm going to ask Anthony to help me out. Um, let's say Anthony's going on a trip. And, hey, man, good to see you this morning. Anthony's going on a trip, and he's got to get on a plane. And he, I found out about it, and I said, hey, Anthony, I'm, I can help you out instead of you paying all that parking up there at the airport, right? Have you ever paid parking up at the airport for the whole week? Instead of you paying all the parking, I'll take you up to the airport, I'll drop you off, and, and I'll just hold on to your car until you come back, and I'll come back and pick you up from the airport. Would that work? That would actually make you happy too, won't it? Save you a little bit of money. And so let's just say I do that. And so we get to the airport, and um, looks like a Lincoln, and, um, and, and, um, and, I, and I drop Anthony off at the airport, and I say, man, I'll be back to pick you up. And he tells me his flight, and he goes on the airplane, and I go off on his Lincoln. Now, I enjoy his Lincoln for the week, all right? And, and I take it where I need to go because he gave me permission, right? And he doesn't mind that. We're friends. I take his Lincoln wherever I go. And then a week later, I go back, and I'm going to pick him up from the airport, all right? Now, so I'm going back up here, and I pull up. And this time, I got Julie with me, right? And we're going to pick up Anthony. So we come in. We meet him at baggage claim. And, and, and he looks at us, and he's all excited, but he kind of looks at us, and we look like we were a little somber or something. He's thinking, did you wreck my car? I'm thinking, I'm thinking oh, we kind of. And then we, we do this thing that kind of blows his mind. We say, Anthony, me and Julie, we've been talking. Good to have you home. Um, uh-oh. His phone just went off. That happens here at Harvest Point. Tell him, guys. Pizza. pizza you owe us all pizza. All right. So, uh, so. So I look at him and I say, hey, um, me and Julie have been talking about this and we have, we have really enjoyed you letting us use this car for a week, but we're going to give you this back. 
you can't, you can't hear him, but he said, okay, but it belongs to me. <laughs> see, see, Anthony would be looking at me like, Pastor Stephen, you fall down, hit your head or something. This is my car. And I'd be like, I, I, I know it's your car, but we're giving it back to you. And he'd be like, okay, well, why don't you take me home? Because I ain't never come to your church again. Right? But see, because why? Because it's Anthony's car. He'd be looking at me like, you're acting like you've given me something that is already mine. What am I doing with the car? I am returning the car. Are you getting that picture? Every time I look at my wife, I say, did you give our tithe today? How wrong is that? And do you ever think that God might look at us and go, <laughs> you must be falling down hitting your head or something because the Bible says that's mine. I've been saying it's mine since long before you showed up here. It's mine. What are we talking about here today? I hope you're getting this. God says the firstborn, they're mine. God says the first fruits, they're mine. God says the tithe, it's mine. We give of our first. And we, oh, I just said it wrong again. We return our first back to God. Thank you, Nancy. We return our first back to God. God said it's holy. I mean, have you ever thought about this? It's you, the first $10, listen, let's just say you got $10. You got paid $10. The first dollar, God considers that holy. Stephen, are you serious? The first dollar, God considers that holy. And we're to return that back to God. Now, here's the cool part, and I want you to get the good news. You ready? Ready for the good news? We live, you may not understand, the Bible talks about us living in a cursed society. And I don't even know if you know this. Even though we have an incredible American economy, ours is a cursed economy. We live in a broken and fallen world. And what God says is, I will reverse the curse for you if you do this, okay? God says, you give me the first. You give me right out of the gate the first thing. What I'm going to do is everything else after that, I will bless it, all right? How do I know that? Because I know what the Bible says. Read with me Malachi 3, 10, and 11. Now I'm about, this should blow your mind when I'm about to read. I'm getting excited. Malachi 3, 10, and 11. You ready? The Bible says this. Now, this is God's word. This ain't Malachi. This ain't Stephen Ushery. All right? God said this. Try me. Actually, some versions say, test me in this, okay? Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. He said, you give me the first part. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn around and I'm going to bless the other nine-tenths of what you give. Now, read the rest of this. And this is the, this is the great part. Mike, you got your pen. Start circling the word and, all right? And. Have you ever listened to the, uh, the, the show where they, where they say, you can order this garden hose, and if you call the next five minutes, we'll give you two of them. All right, this is this kind of moment, right? So God said, listen, you give me the first, I will open up the windows of heaven, I will bless you, bless you, bless you, <laughs> and if you call the next five minutes. Now watch this. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. You know what God has said here? God has said, listen, not only will I bless you, I'll open up the windows of heaven. If you get this, if you get this, I will reverse the curse for you. I will bless your life. And then on top of that, I, I will rebuke the devourer. 
Now listen, I love you, and I hope you love me, but me rebuking the devourer ain't worth nothing compared to God rebuking the devourer over your life. And God's promise is this. You give me the first. I, the Lord of hosts, will rebuke the devourer over your life. There's somebody who wants to eat your lunch. That's who he is. He's called Satan. He wants to eat your lunch. And God says, and I will rebuke the devourer, and I will bless your life. God is saying, this is the way I operate. I meet people all the time. And I was one of them. I was one of them one time. I can't afford to tithe. I can't. Let me tell you. Here's the way it works. I'm telling you the truth. Here's the way it works. You won't ever be able to afford to tithe. And then you tithe, and all of a sudden you can afford it. How do I know that? Malachi 3. You tithe. You take a step of faith. You say, God, I'm returning it. This ain't mine. I'm giving it to you. You give it away. And then you say, God, now I'm counting on you to bless the other nine. I'm counting on you to rebuke the devourer for me. And I'm counting you to bless my life. And in season and out of season, this is what I'm asking you to do. And I'm telling you that I'm telling you. And you might sit here and look at me and go, oh, you're doing a bunch of preacher talk. No, I'm telling you about my life. For the longest time in my life, I thought I couldn't tithe. And when I finally started tithing, then God blessed my life. And I could afford to tithe. And I, hadn't, I, I won't ever change. I won't ever change. That's the way it operates in my life. I'm telling you, amen. It's God. It's Him. It's the way He operates. God says, listen, I'm going to test your heart in this. I want to be first in your life. And you just think about, just a few minutes ago, we lined up these graduates across the front of the stage. I mean, how long some of them? How long? One of them was standing here. How long is it going to be before they get this? They got to be 35? They got to be 55 before all of a sudden they get this and they want to live in that place of disobedience, the place where the priority is wrong, the place where the devourer is just eating their lunch, or what if, what if, what if every one of those 16, 18 graduates who are up on this platform today, or who graduated from high school or college, or graduate, what if they could get this, do you see how this would change their life, and there's some of you here, some of you here that are a lot older than them, and you haven't learned this lesson that I'm teaching here today, what are we talking about in this series, listen, I got two more things to say, what are we talking about here, we're talking about strong life what we're talking about and it'd be real easy I'm going to get real real here right now okay it'd be real easy in this whole series of eight sermons to talk about these things like faith and love and character and patience it'd be real easy to never talk about your pocketbook real easy but here's the deal I'm convicting my spirit if you're going to have a strong life, you've got to understand what I'm talking about here today. We're going to have a strong church. We've got to be an obedient church. We've got to understand what I'm talking about here today. Last scripture of the day. I said two things. That was the first one. Here's the second. I want to read a scripture for you because this is where it all happens. All right? It's the last scripture. It's in bold there at the bottom of your, your page. In Exodus, after God had said, I want you to understand the firstborn is mine and the first fruits are mine and the tithe is mine. Listen to what God says. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this? When you're giving your tenth away, when you're, when you're slaughtering the, 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 the first, firstborn, that you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, 
but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Sacrifice redeemed. Tom, would you just leave that up there for a minute? So you want to get this? You want to get this? You want to get where God's heart is on this thing? Follow me. Follow me here. So, so this family is sitting. They're, they're a bunch of ranchers. They've got, they've got cattle. They've got sheep. They're sitting in the kitchen table. They're sitting at the kitchen table. And the little boy runs in. And he says, Daddy, Daddy, Mama, Mama. The sheep outside has, has, uh, has had a baby. Let's go outside. Let's go see the baby. And, and everybody gets to the table. Everybody's excited. They start walking out of the kitchen. And everybody's going out to the barn. But right before Dad leaves the kitchen, he grabs a butcher knife. And they go out of the barn, and there, 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 there they are, little baby sheep, born, born. But we learned just a few minutes ago, God says the firstborn of the clean, and sacrifice, right? And so everybody's, the, the miracle of life is right here in front of them, right here. And, 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 and everybody's looking at this little baby lamb. And Daddy reaches down and grabs it by the back of the throat, and holds the butcher knife and slices its throat. little boy and the little girl that are sitting there right in that moment, what goes through their mind? They look at daddy, and I'll tell you what that little boy thought. He said, he thought to himself, don't mess with daddy. I don't even know what that lamb did, but don't mess with daddy. Probably, probably cried and ran off. But the Bible says, what's going to happen one day when they look at their daddy and their mom and they say, why do we do this? Why do we give of our firstborn? Why do we give of our first fruits? Why do we give of our tithe? I want you just to picture a little boy. He's about 10 years old. He's seen Daddy do this a few times, and they're, they're outside in the field one day, and he finally gets up the courage, and he just says, Hey, Daddy, Daddy, why? why? <laughs> We're ranchers. Why, why do you do this? Why do you keep killing? Why, why, why do you do this, Daddy? Teach me. Or how about this? Maybe that never happens when that little, that little boy's 10 years old. Maybe one day he gets up, he grows up, and he becomes the guy who's keeping the books. And he's keeping all the books for all the ranching, you know. And he's keeping all the monetary things. And finally one day his dad's sitting in front of him. He said, Dad, I, he just shuts the book. And he says, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. He said, I don't. He said, last year you killed 2,000 of our animals. Just you yourself. You slaughtered 2,000. And, Dad, do you know we're in the ranching business? Do you know how much money that is? Why do you keep doing that? And I just want you to hear that scripture behind me. I just want you to hear what that dad might say to that boy that day. He'd say, maybe something like this. He'd say, son, I've been waiting to tell you something. I've been waiting for you to ask that question. You know, there was a time when we weren't in the ranching business. There was a time where I was actually a slave. I was a slave in a foreign land, and it was a bad place. And God rescued me. And my people out from that foreign place of slavery with a strong, mighty hand. He redeemed my life. And from that day forward, he told me every firstborn, every first fruit, every tithe, they're his. And he said, that's why we do what we do. He said, I give back to him because he redeemed me with a strong, mighty hand. You know, today I honored my oldest son who's a graduate heading off to Emory University. <laughs> you know the honest truth is? Because I've been there. I graduated from that place. He's going to go in that place and he's going to sit under professors who say there is no God. He's going to go to that place there's going to be people challenging the core of all that he believes and all that, he, all that he's been a part of. But when he was a little boy, beyond all of my children, he was a little boy, he watched me and his mama give, and he watched us tithe, 
And maybe not in the way of that little lamb with that slaughtering thing, but that young man asked me why we do what we do. And in our own little ushery way, I had a chance to tell him, maybe like that dad said, you know. Andrew, there was a time when your daddy was not a very good man. But with the mighty hand of God, he rescued me and he redeemed me and he sacrificed for me. So we give of our first and we give of our best and we give of our highest. And beyond all my children, Andrew got that. He heard that. I want that for my children and I want it for my grandchildren and I want it for you and I want it for your children and I want it for your grandchildren we have a preeminent God he is first and he wants our highest he wants our best not because he wants to fail us he tests our hearts because he wants to bless us hear what I just said he doesn't want to fail you he wants to bless you that's who he is may the Lord bless the word he's poured into us today would you pray with me God I thank you for who you are and I thank you since the beginning of time people like us you've been wanting to know where our priorities are you've been wanting to test our hearts would you help us to get this right would you help us to understand that you deserve our first and our best and our highest? And that when we give to you that way, when we trust you that way, when we by faith believe and we give that way, that God, you, you, you rebuke the devourer for us and you open up the windows of heaven and you will watch out for it. You will bless our lives. Lord, may we be a people who honor you and bless you with first place in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. God bless your harvest point.